welcome back to Pacific Point of View. I'm Tyler Budge. I'm Hayden Weber. And I'm Colt Almodova. And together we are the Pacific Point of View, coming at you with another off-season episode. And uh, guys, you know, from this last week, uh, what's something you saw in the college football world that you just wanted to get off your chest right off the bat here? Well, I saw an interesting hire in the uh, coordinator department. Oklahoma State just hired Derek Mason away from Auburn to be their next defensive coordinator. Derek Mason, you guys were might have... You guys might have remembered him from his uh, pretty abysmal tenure at Vanderbilt. He was 27 and 55 in seven seasons over there. Good coach. He coached under David Shaw. He's got some West Coast ties, but he, he ends up going to Oklahoma State. And that is bad news for ASU, who is heading out to Stillwater next year because he coached Auburn to the to a top five defense in the SEC, and they're the team. One of the only teams who cracked the Bryce Young code last year, and they really stymied Alabama in the Iron Bowl. So I think that is an A-plus hire because it is rare that you see uh, coaches leaving the SEC for a lateral move. Yeah. I mean, Derek Mason, uh, notably the last guy to lead Vandy to a bowl game. That's true. So, you know, with how bad they've been, that's, that's, that's a feat in itself, I would say. Hayden, you mentioned A-plus hires, and the University of Hawaii has a brand-new head coach. His name is Timmy Chang. Okay, he's a former quarterback uh, at UH from 2000 to 2004, broke all the records uh, at the time. I think he got broken by some Houston quarterback, but we don't talk about him because it's Timmy Chang season. I'm part of the Chang gang. I'm actually actually <laughs> part of the Chang gang because his mom is in Almodova, so we're like third cousins. So this is like it's all running in the family. Two hours ago, uh, former four-star recruit, Wyndon Holohuli, he was the number one prospect out of the state of Hawaii in 2020. He's a linebacker. He committed to Nebraska, so he was at Nebraska this past season. He entered the transfer portal. He was a redshirt freshman. He's headed to UH. Wow. So he hasn't seen the field yet, but oh my gosh, I'm so stoked to see this guy hit the field. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure everyone in Hawaii is at least a third cousin. So I think, you know, that's, he's just from Hawaii. You could have just said that, Colt, uh, Timmy Chang. But uh, something I saw that I'm, frankly, quite excited for, and I don't even know why, but the new college football playoff committee chairman has been named. It is Boo Corrigan is his name. That's cool. His first name is Boo. <laughs> so, so he's never going to know if people are booing or cheering him. It's going to be like... Boo! You never know. <laughs> I've always wondered, like with guys, especially like Luke Keekley, you know, when you have people that yeah. go like Luke, but it sounds like booing. When would you ever know if they're getting booed? I know. Same thing with Cooper Cup. Yep. Yeah. Boo. Exactly. So I think Boo Corrigan, honestly, that should be a head coach name. You would never get booed. That's true. You would just be like, they love me. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have Paula anymore on the staff. Yeah, Paula's contract expired. She's off. So we don't so. have any ASU representation at all? It's true. I actually, I would talk to Paula after after the rankings uh, came out. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that yet, even. Uh oh. But, no, probably not. She can't get into any trouble. But she, she would tell me not to say anything. But it was a cool inside, like, thing we had. Um, I do know Oregon State was in talks of being on the rankings for the first rankings they came out with. Oh, they weren't. Wow. But they were in talks, so I'll take the, the small victory. Yeah, I heard Hawaii was, too. Nah, I don't know who told you that. <laughs> Might have been one of your third cousins. Paula Poivin told me that. <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead and jump forward to the big picture. And uh, just a few storylines I saw this week. Uh, don't know if you guys saw them. First one, the Big Ten is considering eliminating their divisions and playing eight conference games. What are you guys' reactions to that? 
Whew, I don't know. This is one of those things that's kind of been thrown around, not just in college sports, but even in professional sports, just doing away with divisions and going to the straight, uh, you know, standings format. There's no conference. Cha- well, I don't know if they would have a conference championship game. I'm sure they would. I think they still. probably would. Just yeah, they, the they, they would still just do it like how the Big Ten or the Big 12 does it rather. I think that might be interesting and it might create more parity, which is why I don't really understand why they're doing it, because I feel like the divisions and the way it's set up almost protects the big teams a little bit more, you know, it's just the way it ends up getting set up. But what will happen is it might be smart for the Big Ten because it will break up that East division that has Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State all playing each other. So maybe for their conference specifically, that actually might be a good move for them. I think it boosts a team like Wisconsin that's on the other side of that, what are they, in the the West division. Didn't they used to be like the leaders and legends? Yeah, yeah it was weird. That whole weird. But yeah, I think it'll improve their strength of schedule at least in the regular season. At least maybe you'll face an Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State guaranteed during the regular season before you have to play them in conference championship week. But I don't know. I think you have to look at the Big Twelve, like Hayden mentioned, and you know they've had ups and downs with whether or not this has worked. And I don't know. Yeah, I mean, uh, it would be a big L for like you said, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Iowa, a lot of those teams that. Uh, had the chance for a Big Ten championship any any year, but now would be, you know. Especially Iowa. I no. feel like they've had more fluky 10-win seasons. And we always credit them for being so consistent, which mm-hmm. they're good. But the Big Ten West is one of the weaker divisions in the Power Five. I, I would say Iowa's a consistent 7-win team that wins 9-10 to 10 games yep. because of their schedule. So. Yep. And then, I mean, the same can be said about the – I don't know. See, the ACC does it too. They have the, the Atlantic coastal, and the Coastal. And the coast. I think the Coastal is yeah. the bad one. The Coastal Division, like, they, you mix them with Clemson and, and all these teams that have, I guess, I mean, who else? Florida State formerly, NC State, Louisville's had some good years. Yeah. But, like, the Coastal Division, none of those guys are winning if, if they mix. It's the one with, what's the one with Miami and yeah. Pitt yeah, yeah, and, those, and the Miami, Virginia Pitt, schools? Virginia Tech, Virginia, Georgia Tech. Uh, I feel like that one has a new winner every year. It does. It right. literally has yeah. been like the uh, NFC East where there's just a new champion every single year. See, but at least with the ACC, there's more parity. Whereas with the Big Ten, it's either going to be Ohio State or a fluky Michigan. Either Michigan, Michigan State, or Michigan are having a good year. Or Ohio State. Michigan twice. Penn State is the other one I'm going yeah. to there. Or Ohio State. That's that's very true. Um, other news, uh, Mike McDonald, the defensive coordinator at Michigan, had one of the best defenses, shut down the Buckeyes impressively. He went to the Ravens. So a college guy getting snatched up to the NFL. Oh, congratulations. His brother, John um, Harbaugh, plucking his little brother's defensive coordinator away. Yeah, yeah. That's, How about that? It's an interesting development. Um, the sibling rivalry is, is very real. Does that... Maybe is that an indication that he knows Harbaugh's about to blow up the staff and leave anyways? Who knows? For the Raiders? For the Raiders. That's the other name getting thrown out there is Lane Kiffin. Thoughts on if Kiffin is going? Ooh, I, I, I don't can't remember if he. I thought he already coached the Raiders, or maybe that was his dad. Lane Kiffin. I know he's had at least one NFL stop. I think it was with the Raiders. I think so too. Hmm. That'd be that'd be a weird hire. I think Harbaugh is a more likely pick. 
to yeah. go. And I think the timing just works better because I think he's reached his peak at, at Michigan. I wouldn't want to see Kiffin move from college. I really like how he's kind of embraced the college atmosphere. I mean, he's already public enemy number one in Tennessee, apparently. True. But the way he's recruited Arch Manning and just the way he is on Twitter, the lane train, I don't think you can do that in the NFL. These are adults up there, but you can with the kids. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think it's kind of interesting seeing Kiffin and Harbaugh having their names bounced around in the NFL, especially after what happened with Urban Meyer. Uh, mm. I, mean, I guess you could credit that more to his mental health a little bit. But uh, I just thought that was an interesting thing because I've seen Kiffin's name get thrown around in Minnesota. I know New Orleans fans were talking about him first thing. Um, but thus far, we've seen a lot of internal hiring in the NFL anyways. Very but, true. Uh, next up, uh, Miami okay. announced they have retired the turnover chain. Under Mario Cristobal. You guys talk about that while I take off my sweatshirt. Okay. <laughs> I'm actually going to have an unpopular take. I think that's the right move. I think it was a little bit tired. Wow. I think it was a little bit tired, and it fit kind of the vibe they had with Mark Richt when they first came out with it. They were just – they kind of brought swagger back to Miami, and that's what Miami was known for in the early 2000s. And they had that one really good season. I can't remember who was a quarterback for them, but – they, they won like 10 games. Was they, it, it was, oh, their offense was terrible. That's why you can't remember any of them. Yeah, it, it was, it was, I remember the first time I remember it, it was a feature, I think, on college game day, and they beat Notre Dame that week. That was such an awesome They absolutely week. clobbered. And they forced like five turnovers. Clobbered Notre Dame. And that, everyone, had everyone thinking Miami was, was back. And I think the turnover chain, like I said, I think it was, a, it was good in, in its time, but New era, new energy in Miami. It's probably the right move. Time to just focus on building a program and, and not, not the turnover uh, jewelry. What I didn't like about the turnover chain is that it changed the design every single year. Yeah. I wish there would be a little bit more consistency. But honestly, that was a trendsetter. I mean, colleges across the country, I know Oregon State does the turnover chainsaw. Chainsaw. Yeah. <laughs> uh, other schools do different things. They do basketball dunks after interceptions now and so I think it was a cool thing but swagger is not cool when you're losing and so you need to be swag and win <laughs> you need to be swag and win put it on a billboard <laughs> uh, yeah that Miami team is so fun I think the turnover chain when it came out I thought it was perfect timing they the year they brought out the turnover chain that team led the nation in turnovers in forced turnovers and they were 11 and 0 they were 11 and 0 and they looked awesome they had that win over Notre Dame and then they got clobbered, or they might have been 10-0. and 0. And then they lost to Clemson, and then they got clobbered by Pitt. Yes. And then they played Clemson again and got, like, curb stomped. So it was a sad fall from grace for Miami. And I feel it was just the right mix of timing. But I would agree. I think the turnover chain itself has kind of worn out its welcome a little bit. It, it doesn't hit the same when you're 5-6 and six and, like, losing on the road versus Georgia Tech, you know? Yep. Um, and then one more thing I saw today. Columbia football... Their official Twitter account was suspended this week on on Twitter. What? I don't know why. <laughs> Columbia as in the Ivy League school. Yeah. So uh, any, wow. any theories on that? Maybe they're just focusing on academics over there, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm very confused. Maybe they're disbanding their football program. They got a really hard math test. Don't want any distractions on Twitter. Exactly. I don't know, man. All right. Anyways, we're, it's, it's, we're not done with last season yet, okay? So we've got... Each of us, five games, our top five games of the 2021 season. And, and they were a lot of great ones. Honestly, oh going goodness. back through, it was really tough to whittle it down to five. But I think it was the right move. And I've got some honorable mentions here in case we miss any. Okay. But uh, who wants to go first? Should we do all five? Like each person we, goes all five? We each, do you want to go five to one? Yeah. 
All right, let's go five to one, and I'll kick it off. Why not? Number five, uh, this one might not have been a barn burner like some of the, well, it was a barn burner, but in a different way, like some of these other ones. Wake Forest beating Army 70 to 56. That was an awesome game. Wake Forest controlled the game. I mean, it was never really in question. It was just Army kept answering and answering and answering, but Wake Forest had built up such a lead at one point that it, you know, they kind of just had the game in, in hand. And, and some of the stats that came out of this game were crazy. Tw uh, almost 1,300 yards of, of total offense were, were in this game. Army held the ball for 42 minutes compared to Wake Forest's 17. Wake Forest scored 70 points in 17 minutes. They were playing NCAA on freshman mode. And the best Sam H. in North Carolina, yes. 458 yards and five touchdowns. It was just capped a crazy game, so that that was a you know that was a borderline one for me, and then for my four to one, two teams made two appearances in in this game or in this on this list. Yep. Coming in at number four, Texas A&M's upset over Alabama. I had to have it on there. Yep. That was just an all-time classic, not for Bama fans. Texas A&M. If I remember correctly, they got off to a hot start, and it looked like this was really going to happen, and then Bama caught up to them. And then, like, took the lead. Took the lead late, and I remember you said it on that podcast. We're all thinking, oh, well, there you go. Bama took the lead. It's over. Good fight for Texas A&M. No, the Aggies come back, and Seth Small uh, nails the iconic walk-off field goal Absolute to give A&M probably the best win in recent memory. That game was awesome. It, it was, was a great awesome game. game. And number three is the Iron Bowl. Alabama beating Auburn 24-22 in overtime. I didn't actually watch this game because the Territorial Cup was going on at the same time. But I Colt watched it in the student section. Yes. <laughs> I, I think I caught the very end of it on the radio waiting in the to get out of the parking lot. Auburn completely shut down Bryce Young and just some really poor clock management gave Alabama a chance to come back, tie the game late, force overtime, and the rest is history. Just a brutal loss for Auburn and one of the best chances, you know, they're going to get to beat Alabama for a while, I think. And then the Texas Longhorns fans are going to hate me for these next two. Coming in at number two, the Kansas Jayhawks knocking off Texas 57-56 to in overtime. Kansas was 1-8 going into that game. And the legend of Jared Casey, the walk-on fullback, catching the game-winning two-point conversion. He got an NIL deal out of that. Exactly. He had never caught a single pass in his career, and he catches the game-winner on the road in overtime. I believe that was their like only their second win on the road against Texas ever in program history. So that was, that was a crazy game. Epic and number one, how can it not be Red River from this year? The Red River showdown, just the crazy back-and-forth we had there between Oklahoma and Texas. Texas got off to a 28-7 lead at the end of one. I'm thinking Behan Robinson's the Heisman winner. Um, Twitter was crazy when that lead It was real. wild. And Oklahoma made one of the biggest moves in regular season college football history to date. They benched the Heisman frontrunner Spencer Rattler for Caleb Williams. The rest is history. Oklahoma storms back. They win on a 33-yard Rush from Kennedy Brooks sick at, at it the was, end of the they game. They were setting up for a field goal. And yep. It was like, here comes the field goal, yep. and then Kennedy Brooks shot it right Just up the game. Just absolutely uh, nail in the coffin there against Texas. 
And those are my top five games. Yeah. So I'm curious to hear what you guys have. A funny story about that Red River rivalry before we, we finish. Uh, Colt and I had ordered some Uber Eats. Oh, yes. Um, and we kept using that. We were abusing the code. This I don't know. 25 this, welcome. Yeah, so our code 25 welcome gives you $25 off an Uber Eats order. And so we had ordered it. And it's literally like at the end of the game. And Colt was like going out to get the, the order. But we kept reusing the same code. And in order to reuse it, we had to use different phone numbers. Yeah. So we were using Colt's dad's phone number to get the food. And so the person couldn't find us. And they were, like, trying to call Colt's dad to find where we were. And we were like, no, like, don't call us. And, like, Colt, like, barely found them. Like, literally came sprinting back inside. I was, like, holding the door open. Like, Come on, Colt. And he, like, came in. And, like, two seconds later, Kennedy Brooks ran it in. <laughs> So Colt barely almost missed that. So, uh, but it was all worth it for the burrito bowl with <laughs> half chicken, half carnitas. It, it was. It was. <laughs> Chipotle? Dude, Chipotle is so good, man. It is. It is good. Dude, just say get half and half of everything. Your bowl will be absolutely loaded. They'll have to put foil <laughs> like two stories high. And you can ask for tortillas on the side and they're free. Yeah. Really? Yeah. For a bowl? Yeah. Yes. No kidding. Absolute I didn't know tortillas. that. And you can I just stop ordering the burrito. Yes. And yeah. you can make your own burrito. We should get two tortillas on the side because you could make almost, you know, two full burritos with how much you get in a bowl. Well, that said, this episode of Pacific Point of View is brought <laughs> to you by Chipotle. <laughs> <laughs> Please give us money. Not after what Colt just admitted. He's admitting to swindling. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. We better get free guac after this, man. Yeah, I agree. All right, Colt. All right, my five to one. Number five, we got Notre Dame versus Florida State on Labor Day. Oh, my goodness. That was such a huge game. Notre Dame ended up winning that 41-38, to 38, but that's irrelevant because <laughs> Mackenzie Milton came in the game in the fourth quarter for Florida State. After, you know, what happened to his whole career, he almost... He almost died, actually, after that horrific knee injury that he suffered at UCF. He was out for a year, rehabbed, you know, got back out on his feet. It was almost like Alex Smith-esque, yeah. same thing, but it was definitely the comeback story of the year. Um, number four, ASU at UCLA, the iconic Pasadena parlay game. Ricky Pearsall went absolutely bananas in that game, and this is when we all thought, ASU's legit. We just went on the road. <laughs> we're in Pasadena. We're winning. Our parlay hit. You know, we made 400 bucks, and it was like, oh, okay, this nice. is fun. It was nice. Everything went downhill after that. I don't think I've hit a bet since, what was that, October? Yeah. And ASU season pretty much dude, fell apart after that. Dude, it's yeah. been bad. I almost put that game on there, but I knew you would get it probably. Dude, number three, uh, I got to go with this, Utah-Ohio State. That Rose Bowl was amazing. Uh, that was the highlight of bowl season. Um, Jackson Smith and Jigba, he, I think he put himself in the running for Heisman next year. I think he is definitely on the map. If you don't know this guy, you need to look him up. Number two. Hawaii versus number 18, uh, Fresno I knew, I knew State. It, I, knew it. I had to put this in there. So, Chevin Cordero, the week prior, got injured. Backup quarterback Braden Shager comes in. And we all know what happened to Hawaii this season. But this was like the lone bright spot because Hawaii upset a Fresno State team that was ranked in the top 25. They had, I believe, Jake Hayner was, you know, oh, is this, is this guy going to be in New York for the Heisman Trophy ceremony? And Hawaii forced, I believe, like five turnovers, shut all of that down. And then ended up being like six and seven on the year. But was that, where, where were we when we watched that? Were we, we in, were in Pasadena, Pasadena still? And we watched it in the sandwich shop, the, the pizza place. Yes. Blaze? Something like that. Blaze Pizza, I think. And we we're putting it. like Parmesan on. I'm like, oh my gosh! <laughs> Wait, did you go to the one in downtown Pasadena? 
Yeah, yeah, yes. I went there like twice. Are you serious? That place was so good. Yeah, I feel no, like it was better than all the other blazes that I've had. It was really good. It was good. It tasted very sweet after. We literally just all won 400 bucks each. And, just paid <laughs> and Hawaii won. And Hawaii That won. was the best pizza I think I've ever had. It was fantastic. Everything Didn't Oregon that was great. State win that week too? And like everyone was just winning? I think that was the week Oregon State beat Washington on a walk-off field goal. Yep. And what a, a week that was. There was an Oklahoma State-Baylor game that we needed at the end. Yeah. And it ended up having huge playoff co- implications. Yes. Yeah. We needed we needed the Oklahoma State-Baylor game. We needed Oklahoma State to cover, and they did, like, last second, right before we went into the ucla mm-hmm. game. So My number one was Texas A&M beating Bama. What go. I really liked about that, though, is because I felt like it cemented that this was going to be the craziest season since 2007 and that we're not going to have a lame national champion. And then we ended up having a lame national champion. <laughs> It's true. It's true. It did take you know a little bit of the air out of that one. That's the reason why I didn't have that there in my top five. I have a few repeats, and you know I'll go over them a little quicker. Uh, first, we have Notre Dame at Florida State. Everything about this game, prime time Sunday game, very unusual. Uh, Notre Dame was up thirty-eight twenty. I don't know if you guys remember that. They were up thirty-eight twenty. It was like ah, Florida State's getting ran, and then all of a sudden, out comes Mackenzie Milton, and the comeback was on. That game was awesome. The highlights, the big plays, and then. The playoff implications? Notre Dame loses that game. Cincinnati does not make the playoff. Notre Dame was their resume. Oh, I never thought of that. Yeah. Wow. So the implications aged very well from this game. And then, you know, Florida State, I believe their kicker, didn't they choke in overtime? They, like, yeah. missed it. Yeah. So no no good for them. Number four, I have one that hasn't been mentioned yet. Michigan at Michigan State. This was a weird middle you season called that, game. Bro. I feel like that's part of the reason I like this game is because I called it. But I can just remember watching this game just having a good time. It was back and forth. It was fun. And it really felt like the national spotlight was on this game. And this is where Kenneth Walker really put his name out there. And he was a really fun Heisman candidate until Purdue completely wiped him off the face of the earth. But it was a fun game. And then number three, you know, I took one out of Colts, a page out of Colts book here. Oregon State at USC. Come on. Everything about this game. We won 42-24 to in the Coliseum. Our first win in like 80 years in the Coliseum, which is, which is ridiculous. I mean, it might have been 60 it was like the first win since I've been alive. My dad's been alive. It's like the twenties or <laughs> yeah. even earlier. Like something. I don't know, if like planes were in the sky when we beat them last. <laughs> like it was, and it was so satisfying. It was the Jack Coletto game. He had like three touchdowns and a pick to ice it. It was, oh, it was everything about it. And it was what finally made us say, "Hey, this could be Oregon State's year." Okay, planes were invented in 1903. Okay, so good. The plane had been invented, <laughs> but planes weren't in the sky. They invented the plane. How long until commercial airlines were out there? I don't know. You have to get. I'll get back to you. Look, okay, that sounds good. Because like the Wright brothers, really, 1903, huh? When were planes <laughs> in the sky? Technically, and they started on the East Coast, so maybe. They, how old is the oldest yeah. person alive? No, it was 1903. How old is the oldest person alive? Um, they got them up that quick. How old is the? Like oldest? yo, we just invented this like a month ago, but like hop on and trust me. Uh, Kane Tanaka uh, is 119 years old. So they. Were nearly were they alive when the plane was invented? Um, is 119 years ago, 1903. It's 100. It's 2022 Ooh, now. Ooh, that's actually close. Know. She's it's probably not, like one years old. But the fact that they were right around, old. right around that time, that's pretty insane. I don't know why we're thinking about old people, but uh, <laughs> 1903, same year. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. How good for good for them? What's their secret? How are they that old? Uh, let's see. What's Kane Tanaka's secret? Yeah, I'm curious to hear. Because they always say stuff. I feel like if I lived to be that old, I'd just troll people. 
I'd be like, I drank a gallon of milk a day. <laughs> She's from Japan. Let's and? see. Come on now. Give us She's something. a fan of chocolate and a board game enthusiast. Okay. All so right. I like games both of those chocolate. things. Things are looking good. Things are looking Things are looking good. good. I'm going to live forever. Yeah. She ate a hundred pieces of chocolate. She's in the Guinness Book of World Records, and that's not just because of her age. What? She has like uh, there's probably two records in there. Get her, get her on College Game Day. We should get her on Pacific Point of View College Game Day. Here we go. We have one more nugget here. In 1903, not only was the first ever flight recorded by the Wright brothers, the inaugural Tour de France happened. The the bike. First ever one. Yes. Holy. The production of the Ford Model A, the first ever car produced by the Ford Motor Company. Wow. Wow. She's old. <laughs> Anyways, uh, next. And that's when U of A was collecting all their wins against ASU. Damn. That's that's true. That's true, actually. You cannot deny that. Number two, I had the Rose Bowl to just to finish this list out. Rose Bowl was. Absolutely iconic. The only Crazy. reason I didn't have it at number one is because Rising got injured late. And Fair. to me, that took just a little bit out of it. It was still a classic, still awesome. Um, but I think if Rising stayed in, they would have won that. Yeah. And then number one, it's a game that's already mentioned, but how can you not mention it? Kansas, Texas. Come on now, baby. Not everything about this game is Crazy. beautiful. And, you know, Texas finished 5-7. and seven, Kansas finished 3-9 and nine or 2-10. and ten. doesn't matter. This game was one of the most exciting finishes ever because it's Kansas. And you got to love Kansas, guys. Uh, honorable mention, uh, Ole Miss traveling to play, you know, the team that doesn't like Lane Kiffin very much. Oh, my gosh. Uh, a couple golf balls and mustard bottles being thrown at Lane Kiffin. I like the throwing on the... <laughs> <laughs> Colt's coldest take came out of that game. He likes to throw out of the stuff in the field. Uh, Baylor versus Oklahoma State Part 2. Yes. Yep. That one was the ending. Oh, one was, yard. It was like... One yard the was the inverse. difference. It was like the inverse of Michael Penix, because Penix had the stretch against Penn State mm -hmm. where he stuck oh, it in. God. He stuck it in against Penn State. Meanwhile, you know, Baylor was Oklahoma State. They couldn't get it in. That's why you always need a Penix on your side. Uh, next up, we have Clemson. They travel to play NC State. Double overtime. And I think this was the game where we finally realized, you know what? Clemson's not going to dominate this year. That's true. I think we all knew they were pretenders after that game. Yeah. Cole, what's going on? Oh, there's a lot of funny jokes over there. <laughs> uh, any other honorable mentions you guys can think of? No, but you have me thinking. We should do some sort of ranking with, like, SEC fan derangement rankings. Mm. You got Georgia, like, barking at people. I you got Tennessee, like... Did you see the video of the Tennessee fan going up to the guy, the Purdue band guy? Oh, and, like, And, like, trash-talking him before yeah. the game. He's like, we're going to beat your ass. Yeah. Go Vols or whatever. I do remember that. It was weird. Throw Paul Feinbaum in there. Man, the <laughs> SEC is just a little different, man. It's it just is, a little I different. Agree, I agree. All right. So let's talk about 2022 now. Some teams you're high on, some teams you're low on. All right. Let's start with the high. Let's start optimistic here. Cole, what are the teams you're high on? Okay. I've got Maryland to start off. They oh, went 7-6 and six this past <laughs> season. Okay. But hear me out. They oh, have, my goodness. This year, they have a tough schedule in the Big Ten, but out of conference, I think they could get some wins here. But I like the continuity. I've heard, like, you know, Talia Tango-Vailoa and, you know, the head coach, they have a great relationship, and I think they can build off of this. And I think you saw that in the bowl game versus Virginia Tech. Hopefully, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for them, but hopefully they actually make it to the Big Ten title game. I don't know if they've done that uh, since they've joined the Big Ten. The second team I've got is um, Baylor. They are... 12, they went 12-2 and two last year, Big Ten champs, Big 12 champs, excuse me. But I think it's going to come down to a battle between Dave Aranda 
and Oklahoma, who's going to have Dylan Gabriel. And I think the winner <laughs> of that game will obviously be in the Big 12 championship game, but I think that's it. The winner of that game will be in the playoff. Book it. All right. Hayden, who are you high on? It's going to obviously be very cliche. Alabama, but... This isn't just any, oh, Alabama's going to win at least 11 games and they're going to look good, of course. No, I think this Alabama team has the chance to be the best Alabama team under Nick Saban. Wow. And will challenge LSU of 2019. Just all the makings of a crazy season are happening right now. They're coming off a two-loss season. They were, you know, they, they already oh, no, two went... two whole losses. Yeah, two losses, I know. It's like one of the worst years under Nick Saban, technically. Um, they didn't look good in the Iron Bowl, and hey, that was a road game. Next year, it's a home game, and usually when they play Auburn at home, it's dang near a lock. So they've got that going for them next year, and they just landed the best wide receiver, corner, and running back in the transfer portal. Jermaine Burton oh, man. from Georgia, Eli Ricks from LSU, Jameer Gibbs from Georgia Tech. He's just assembling the Avengers right now. Everything's coming together, and I think they've got to be the landslide favorite to win the natty next year so i'm i'm very if they lose a game i would be surprised and i'm not even kidding the other team i'm high on is wisconsin they didn't look that great against asu in the las vegas bowl but their running back braylon allen is a beast uh 1200 yards rushing last year finally 18 i know isn't that crazy (laughs) Not even old enough to vote, and he's one of the best running backs in college football. 12 touchdowns, 6.8 yards per carry as a true freshman. And Caleb Williams right now is kind of rumored I saw to Wisconsin. Interesting. That would be so weird. That would be crazy. I mean, it would be the ultimate slap in the face to USC, who, with Jackson Dart going to Ole Miss, is yep. going to be left without a quarterback next year. That, that would be such a slap in the face. Um, oh, my gosh. To Lincoln Riley? Yeah, man. I, that's why I don't see I it think, happening. I think but... the space-time continuum would break if yeah. Wisconsin got an elite quarterback. They're just used to having all these mediocre yeah. They haven't had anyone Brooke. since Russell. Yeah. Russell Wilson was the last elite quarterback they had. And I was about, it was, I was about to hit on it. Graham Mertz is kind of in the ballpark of like a Jaden Daniels, Bo Nix. Very highly re- uh, rated quarterback coming out of high school hasn't really panned out. Yeah. So if he can, if it's not Caleb Williams and it is Graham Mertz, let's see if he can hit on the potential. But I like the Badgers to at least challenge Ohio State in the Big Ten next year, and if wow. not, they might, they could win it if everything breaks right. Okay. Okay. Teams I'm high on. First one, you're gonna you're gonna try and strangle me after I say it, but just hear me out. Kansas, the Kansas Jayhawks, and I've got. Two words for you. Lance Leopold. He is the man. He is the man who built a dynasty at Wisconsin Whitewater. He went to Buffalo. Kansas snapped him up. Here he comes. It's the man, Lance. And, you know, I look at Kansas' schedule, and there's probably only two or three games I could tell you. Yeah, they might win those, but you you know what? That's because it's Kansas. I have faith that this is going to be their year. I think they're going to make a bowl game. They've got Jalen Daniels, not Jaden. Jalen Daniels at quarterback, and he's the man who led them um, up until the fullback, you know, iced, iced Texas, but he's the man who led them there. And they had a few other games late, I think against TCU and, and Texas Tech, that they were in late. And Oklahoma. They, and, and Oklahoma even, that they literally could have won. And so you're looking at this Kansas team, and you're like, you know what, why not this year? Why not this year? So I'm high on Kansas for, you know, probably a few more reasons than I should be. Uh, and then the other one I'll say is Wake Forest. Sam Hartman season. He's coming back, 
And the program at Wake Forest, they've just built a winning mentality there. I like the culture. I like Wake Forest to win the ACC next year. Wow. Wow. Bold. Yeah, no, I'm just going I'm just going to say it. You know what? Clemson, I, think that, I think that's legit though. And what also very be. rootable team Wake Forest is. Yeah. They haven't been good. And they're in a uh, and they're in a state that is pretty saturated in terms of college football. You have Duke, you have North Carolina, NC State, you have NC State, NC state you have East Carolina, yeah. Charlotte, who's now a Division 1 App State, Appalachian State's in North sure. Carolina. It's a lot. That's a tough tough state to compete in. And Wake Forest is one of the traditionally weaker programs, so it's it's cool Good. to see them winning. But I can list maybe some teams that maybe I'm sleeping on a little too much or that I'm kind of low on for this year, and I'll, I'll go yeah, through it quickly. But, low ones. but Oklahoma, I mean, I feel like that's an obvious, you know, fastball right down the middle. What? Lincoln Riley <laughs> took himself Plus and... I got that terrible Hawaiian quarterback. <laughs> and basically half his roster... And even some future recruits to USC. Spencer Rattler, Caleb Williams, Jaden Hazelwood, Latrell McCutcheon, gone off the roster. And like I said, all the big recruits coming up. And then Dylan Gabriel, trading Dylan Gabriel for Caleb Williams. You gotta, you gotta be kidding that's me. A, that's how a GM gets fired. It's the biggest, it's I'm the sorry, best move. I feel like Dylan Gabriel is one of the most overrated quarterbacks <laughs> in college football. Wait a minute. At, what did he do at UCF? He, he won eight. He, he took a team that had like gone undefeated for two straight regular seasons. Okay, well he was hurt last year. He went year. nine and three, yeah. maybe or eight and four. We'll see. I I hope he proves me wrong. The disrespect. Brent man. Venables, he's a great coach. Let's see if it translates at Oklahoma. Yeah. I'm not saying they're going to be bad, but I relative to where they've been the last few years, expect a down year. Maybe nine wins, right? Oh no. <laughs> and then my other team is Cincinnati. I. Cincinnati unfortunately yeah. just ruined it for the um, for the rest of the group of five and and to be honest, I think they actually did about as well as we could have expected a group of five school to do against Alabama in the playoffs. I agree. I agree. Twenty seven to six, not that bad. Desmond Ritter and Sauce Gardner are off to the NFL, and now that they kind of know their ceiling is limited until they get into the Big Twelve, some of those games like a Tulsa or. I can't remember who else they almost lost to there at the end of the season. But some of those games, maybe they don't have that extra will to get into the playoff to push them. So Cincinnati, I, I could see winning maybe eight games this year. Did Fickle stick around? He did. He did stick Good around. for him. So he's I'm, waiting out the yeah. Big 12, probably. Yeah. That's what he's doing. Yeah. All right, uh, teams I'm low on. First one, and this is you know going to stir some controversy, I'm low on Baylor next year. I think Baylor's way too trendy of a pick for next season. I thought they won a lot of close games. It's just the nature of how Dave Aranda coaches his team. And uh, when you play close games, you lose games. And you lose fluky games. And, and it's the way Dave Aranda was able to do it. You saw the good that can come out of it this year. I think next year you might see some of the bad. I think Baylor could be tuned to lose four, maybe even five games if things go wrong for them. And I, I just don't have... Like, is Jerry Bohannon back? That's the best you got, Jerry Bohannon? I just... Baylor, despite you know the the wins they got down the stretch, Oklahoma State was not that good, okay, and that's that's their signature win, and they they also beat Oklahoma too, but that's a down Oklahoma team. So I think Baylor just took advantage of a weak Big Twelve. I think the Big Twelve is going to be more difficult for them. I think Iowa State's going to be back, and they barely beat Iowa State too. So uh, I'm low on Baylor. Uh, another team I'm low on Nebraska. I I think no bowl game for Nebraska this year again. I think five and seven. Ah. The only way they get in is if they get fluked in. 
not even DeColdis Crawford can save this team. Uh, I, I'm low on Nebraska again. Who's their quarterback now? Because they don't have 2 a.m. anymore. It it's is Purdy. It's either going to be Chuba Purdy or Casey Thompson from Texas, and they oh, still yeah. have Logan Smothers, who they started a few games this year. So it's going to be a battle at quarterback. They might have good quarterback play, genuinely, but it just feels like the, Nebraska's cursed under Scott Frost. Yeah. Yep. They are cursed. It's hilarious. Two teams I'm down on. I'm going to start with Notre Dame. I think Marcus Freeman's going to be a little bit of a rebuild, even though he was part of Brian Kelly's staff. I just think it's going to be different. And then when you look at the schedule, man, Ohio State, North Carolina, BYU, Clemson, USC, that is just ridiculous for a first-time head coach, especially when I don't know if this Notre Dame team is actually that good. The second team I got is Nevada. They're going to start the season 3-0 and because they play New Mexico State, Texas State, I don't know bunch of crap teams. Hey, Texas State's a Sunbelt school. But when you look at the rest of their schedule at Iowa, Air Force, a gauntlet in the Mountain West, they play all the best teams, and they lost Jane Norvell to Colorado State. I just, I don't see where this is going. Timmy Chang also left Nevada too, so they don't have him anymore. I just think Nevada's going to fall off after a, you know, great couple of years with Carson Strong. They went 8-4. and four. This is it, man. They had their shot. That's very fair. Good to get some group of five, you know, representation in there. Um, let's go ahead and we're going to jump forward to the Pac-12 newsletter. And uh, we're going to give out some season grades and name some MVPs for some Pac-12 teams. Uh, we each have four um, to do. So uh, I think, honestly, if we just... Do you just want to do all four at once or do you yeah. want to do one, one, one? I think we should go, go all, four, all four at once, you think? Oh, I think one, one, one. Discourse. Okay, let's see. All right, let's you, do it. You got, you got to break it down. You're the middleman. You, you want to do one, one, one? Yeah, what one. do you want to do? We'll I want to do one, one, one. We'll do one. I'll go first. Okay, so Oregon. Oregon MVP, Noah Sewell. It's okay. not Kayvon Thibodeau. You know why it's not Kayvon Thibodeau? It's because he He's missed hurt. four to five key games with an injury. Sewell was the consistent guy. Can't be an offensive guy for Oregon because the offense is what huh. cost them in the end. Uh, for the Ducks, they did exactly what was expected of them. You know, losing your coach at the end of the season hurts. Doesn't really factor into their grade, though. I give them a B. Exactly. I'm starting with Washington State. I give them an A, okay? They lost Nick Rolovich halfway through the season. I think we've established that Jaden Delora is legit. First time they beat UW since 2012. Always a meaningful thing. And they were second in the North after a, after a lot of people thought they would be near the bottom of the North. And so with all the off-the-field stuff to come out the way they did, I give them an A. Also, I don't like that Jaden Delora, who is my Wazoo MVP, is going to U of A because I think it's a waste. Like, it's a waste of talent. He should have went to a team like Baylor or something like that. Oh, man. University <laughs> of Hawaii is open if you want to go there, too. <laughs> Fair enough. I think we all expected the A grade there. Why would he go to Hawaii to compete against Cameron Cooper? Oh, my god! He would totally lose. Who's that? <laughs> Actually, the guy who was backing him up at Wazoo. But anyways, uh, I'm going to start with the U Arizona Mildcats, who went 1-11 and finished last in the Pac-12 South. They actually had kind of just a really unfortunate season, um, obviously. Therefore, they get a D. Um, I think their best performance was a... Their two best performances were losses when they lost to Utah and, and kept it close. Oregon and Washington. They actually should have won that game. Oh, I remember that one. Yeah, Yeah, and their only win against Cal was the flukiest of fluke wins yeah. I've ever seen. They played Cal's third stringers. 
basically, and they still won the game by seven points. Their MVP has got to be Stanley Barry Hill III. He was a first-team All-Pac-12 as an all-purpose back. He was a wide receiver, return specialist. He also was a gunner on punts. So he was just kind of a do-it-all guy. He's off to the NFL draft. But things are, are actually looking up for U of A, but this, this season was just a complete, complete throwaway for them. Yeah, I would I would agree. The lost NAU, obviously not great. Next up, Oregon State. I already graded them. You know, it's still the same, B+. Um, grade hasn't changed. Good season. Promise of better to come. Team MVP, B.J. Baylor. And if I could give it to the old line, I'd give it to the whole line. So, Cole? I've got Washington. I have an F on my grade, but if I can give them worse than an F, then I <laughs> wish minus. I could. When you start the season preseason AP number 20, and then you ended up, Going four and eight, you're getting blown out versus bad teams. You lost to FCS Montana. You fired Jimmy Lake because he shoved his own player. Just an absolute mess. They need a complete overhaul. They haven't been the same since Chris Peterson left. That's an understatement. Yeah. yeah. And then I'm I've got ASU next. Like I already I already graded them. I gave them a C. Clear MVP Rashad White, who carried the offense down the stretch. In the, in the later part of the season. And, and like I mentioned, the C is because they've met their floor. You know, they, they had one, I think, outstanding win against UCLA. And they had a couple ugly losses, and none uglier than Washington State, a loss that was going to haunt me for a while. I mean, that was just yeah. one of the worst performances I've ever seen from an ASU football team. And the score, 34-21, did not indicate. So it's it was a pretty run-of-the-mill season for ASU, and... You know, we can probably expect more in the years to come. Live and fight another day. Uh, Colorado, MVP for the team, Brendan Lewis. Not Brendan Rice, because he transferred. He's a coward. Um, I would have given it to Nate Landman, the linebacker, but he missed a lot of games with injury as well. So he actually only ended up playing in, like, six games, and he still had, like, 74 tackles. So if he played the whole season, he could have, you know, broke some records. C-plus for Colorado. I was going to give them a lower grade, but they won three conference games. Which, honestly, is pretty nice. You just, you know, hope that they would fix those out-of-conference losses. But they had kind of a almost UCLA-esque season uh, under Chip Kelly for the uh, second year there. Uh, but same amount of conference wins as Washington and USC. If you told them that to going into the year, they would have thought they were contenders. <laughs> USC, they finished the season 1-6. But just the whole year, inconsistency at quarterback. Is it going to be Keaton Slovis this week? Is it going to be Jackson Dart? I don't know, but the only consistent thing they had was Drake London for eight weeks, and he's my MVP. He led the conference in receptions and receiving yards, and he didn't even play the whole season. That's absolutely amazing. But you know they got Lincoln Riley, and I think this team has. Uh, I think this team will be ready to go this season. <clears throat> Next up, we've got the Cal Golden Bears, who went five and seven. I thought, based on some of the games they had, they did a lot worse. But they actually finished pretty decent, five and seven. Four and five in conference play, fourth in the Pac-12 North. Just a really nondescript year for Cal. It could have been so much more if they weren't ravaged by COVID and if they had an easier non-conference schedule. They had to play Nevada, and that was they lost that game. TCU on the road, never easy. They lost a close one there. Some really tough luck losses to Oregon and Washington games they could have won. So this is a Cal team that very easily could have gone like seven and five, eight and four, had some things broke their way. 
but they just didn't, and therefore they get a D-plus because they had way too much talent on that team to not be going to a bowl game. I mean, look what they did to Oregon State. Absolutely yeah. dismantled a really good Oregon State team. And their MVP is going to be Elijah Hicks, the defensive back, who's off to the NFL. He was a first-team member on the um, on defense. So, now, I mean, not a lot of standout performers for them this year, but I'm going to give it to uh, Elijah Hicks. That's a good That's a good assessment. I agree. Uh, but I know you're going to be high on Cal next year. You always are, Hayden. Mm-hmm. Uh, Utah. Utah, probably one of the easiest ones to do. I mean, Cam Rising was great, but i got to give the MVP to Devin Lloyd. He just set the tone on defense and just owned the Ducks. Owned them the whole year. I give him an A. The only way for them to get an A plus would have been if they won that Rose Bowl, but they just barely joked it. You got to earn the A plus. They didn't quite earn it, but an A great season from Utah. UCLA B plus. They murdered Hawaii in Week Zero. <laughs> Zach Charbonnet. It was his coming out party this season, I, and I think Chip Kelly. He's got something going on down there in Pasadena. I think it all depends in the future, though, how well USC loads up and if they can compete in the South anymore. And last but not least, this is an easy F for the Stanford Cardinal. My goodness, this team was horrible. And, and you don't even realize it because that win against Oregon just overshadowed how bad this team was. 3-9 and nine with the win over Oregon. And their only other wins were against USC early in the season and Vanderbilt. Had they not started Tanner McKee, or if Tanner McKee wasn't on this team... You're probably looking at a one-win team right here. And the fact that David Shaw still has a job is just a testament to how good he was in the early years because I think anyone, any athletic director with a brain in this performance probably you know, bites the bullet and decides it's time to move on. And just some of the other losses, I mean, 52-7 to to Utah, 41-11 yeah. to to Cal, 45-14 to Notre Dame. Then they got embarrassed week one against Kansas State. Just a terrible season, and and one of the lone bright spots was actually tight end Benjamin Urosek. The dude just tore up ASU. He led the team in receptions, receiving yards. He was only an honorable mention in terms of uh, postseason accolades for the Pac-12, but, man, what an ugly season for Stanford. And, And they do have a good recruiting class, so maybe a little room for optimism there, but tough days ahead for them. I would agree. Uh, exact opposite problem that we had last week. We're running a little tight on time, so we're going to jump to fact or fiction, and if we've got time, we'll, yeah. go, we'll go to the other stuff. Because uh, I'm just too excited. You know how I get about fact or fiction. Oh, yeah. Um, yes. And, and, you know, the recruiting as it goes on, the, the clarity Fact or be... fiction is timely. We can save um, one for the little guy for next week. Okay, sounds good. Um, and then we'll get a recruiting update if we can, slash transfer portal update, because there is some big news there. Uh, fact or fiction, Sean Payton will coach at TCU, former Saints head coach. His son is enrolled at TCU. Fiction. Oh, he's there. If his (laughs) son is there, Sean Payton, yeah. If he doesn't get the TV job, though, there's talks that he may go to Fox and be like the lead color commentator with Joe Buck if Troy Aikman leaves for Amazon. Amazon? Amazon. Yeah, so Amazon's going to pick up Thursday Night Football. So I believe that's going to be all digital. That's awful. I hate that. Yeah. That just made Thursday Night Football worse. (laughs) Yeah, It shouldn't exist. All right. Fact or fiction, Wisconsin has a legit shot to land Caleb Williams. Fiction? Or fact. (laughs) Fact. Fact. I was going to say, your face said fact, but you said fiction. Sorry. Yeah, fact. Uh, That would be crazy. And I hope it happens. But, yeah, I got fact. Fiction. They don't do quarterbacks over there. They're running back you. 
That's true. Uh, Fact or Fiction, North Carolina is the sleeper pick for Williams. His girlfriend attends. Oh, oh, yes. 150% facts. North Carolina has a better shot than any other college in the country (laughs) based on that fact. Colt, uh, don't look up uh, his girlfriend after this. You'll be be simping over her for the whole... Oh, he's doing it right now. Okay, hold on. What's her name? <laughs> I'm not telling you. Caleb Williams. find his Instagram. Hey, look it up after the hey, show. We're just wait till that. he commits to USC or Wisconsin. Wait till he commits open, to Hawaii. Season. Oh my gosh. And then his girlfriend follows him to Hawaii. Anyways, fact or fiction, Sean Payton's retirement was related to the fact that Kevin James will be portraying him in an upcoming movie about the Saints. You know, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Could you I imagine how big of a slap in the face that would be? It, to be portrayed by Kevin James in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> when Molokov is playing you <laughs> in, like, in a literally. movie about your legacy. Cole is like just researching the <laughs> heck out of this girlfriend right now. <laughs> I'm trying to see if there's a Hawaii connection because then maybe we're going to get Caleb Williams. Um, but yeah, the Sean Payton, Kevin James thing, that is disrespectful. <laughs> All right. Uh, fact or fiction, college football overtime rules are superior to the NFL's. Fact. Oh, yeah, fact. Easy uh, money. Yeah, I mean, the, the fiasco that happened in the Chiefs-Bills game, just disgraceful. I think and I hate the people who are like, oh, you got to win the thing in regulation. Like, it's not the quarterback's fault. Teams, you know what I mean? Teams that win the coin flip in the playoffs uh, are 10-1 and one in overtime. So Come on. take that as you will. But fact or fiction, college football overtime rules need to be tweaked. I agree. Fact. I don't like really the two-point conversion yeah. thing. I thought it was a cool tryout this year, and I think we got to see the extent of that with the <laughs> Illinois-Penn <laughs> State game. But I don't know. I think we need to go back to the 25-yard line. Yeah. Too, it's too gimmicky. It it's, it's It's very, you know... It, it's it's like something baseball is doing right now, you know. With you know, it's like bases loaded, nobody out. Let's see who can hit a grand slam every time. It's and I just hate weird. That the reason changed because of that A and M LSU game. Like I feel like the NCAA looked at that and was like, "Oh my gosh, this is gonna happen all the time now." No, that was fluky. It was it once was in a lifetime. A rarity, yeah. It was a great game. And you don't want that anymore? And it was the last game of the season, so it wasn't like anybody was like. Yeah. And Ed Orgeron lived my worst nightmare. He got a Gatorade bath before overtime, and then overtime proceeded to last, like, yeah, an hour. That's true. Exactly. Exactly. He was out in the cold with a wet shirt Freezing. coaching the game. <laughs> that is awful. All oh, right, but speaking of overtime, socks. you know, I've got a little bit of trivia here. Um, who has the best record percentage-wise in overtime games in college football history? A minimum nine games played. Is it A, UCLA, B, South Alabama, C, South Florida, or D, Tennessee? I'm going to go with Tennessee. I'm going to go with South Florida. Maybe with, I don't know. They were pretty good a couple years ago. Okay, there are three kind of correct answers here. One is not correct. That's Tennessee. Tennessee is 11-6 all-time. However, they're tied for the most overtime games of all time. It's 17 with Utah and and, uh, who's the other? Um, Arkansas. Arkansas is the other team. They've all had 17 overtime games. But UCLA and South Florida are both 8-1, which is... Tied for the best record in overtime. Okay. South Alabama's two and zero in overtime games. Mm. They've never lost, but they haven't played nine games, so therefore they were disqualified. Um, fun fact: Hawaii seven and four in overtime games all time. Oh, not too shabby. ASU seven and four. Oregon right. State three and six. So. Oh wow. We still got bowl eligibility on the line. We got to win three more overtime games in a row. All right. Fact or fiction: Hawaii makes a bowl game next season. Fact. Fiction. 
<laughs> so they start the season. What is this? Okay, I'll break it down for you guys shortly. Hold on, you'll get a chance. There's another. <laughs> okay, go ahead, Cole. Go ahead. Okay, wait. We start. Wait, I just <laughs> forgot who we play first. We start with Vanderbilt. That's a win. We get Western Kentucky at home the following week. That's a win. At Michigan, that's a loss. Then you come back home. Wait, you're calling a loss for Hawaii? Yeah, we're, is this the first whoa, time? Whoa, yeah, wait, okay. That, I'm being realistic here. That's a loss. And then you get Duquesne at home, three and one. Then you play at New Mexico State. You're starting the season four and one. All you got to do is win three more games against some mediocre Mountain West schools. That's, dude, that's asking a lot. That is asking <laughs> a lot. They couldn't even do that this year. Bowl eligible, boys. All right. Uh, fact or fiction, divisions should go away in college football. Man, I don't really know. I I, I don't know. It I don't would know. Either. Either. It would change the game. It's not fact or fiction or I don't know. <laughs> 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 I'll say fact. You know, I think college football is in a place where it needs to be shaken up. Uh, there's a lot of things that could stand it to change, and for that reason, I'll say fact. That's a good answer. Colts a sheep. Yeah, I, I can't. I, I need you to say fact or fiction before I can move on. Faction. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, next up, uh, fact or fiction? Geography should be the number one factor when it comes to conference realignment. Fact. Fiction. Wow, some discourse here. <laughs> because, like, what is in geography in relation to Hawaii? I mean, who are we supposed to play? That's like, the West Coast. like, California schools and then also schools from, like, Japan? Like, that's technically <laughs> our. So maybe our Hawaii should, like, relocate yeah, their football program. The island. Yeah, How like, hard is that? Fiji. Just move it to Catalina Island. Isn't Hawaii is moving, like, a couple inches every year? Yeah, so I think, we're, I think we're also sinking. But there's actually a new <laughs> oh, island God. popping up. Like, it's, it'll be there in, like, I think 2,000 years. But oh, perfect. Yeah, maybe right. a new Just recruiting time base. time for Hawaii to make a bowl game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, fact or fiction. Okay, now hear me out. This is going to be a bit of a stretch. Les Miles, a report came out this week that Les Miles told Jamar Chase that he didn't want him playing wide receiver. And so Les Miles kind of looked bad. Les Miles won an Addy at LSU, and so did Ed Orgeron. He won an Addy at LSU, but he had Joe Burrow. So were those Mickey Mouse? Fact or fiction, Les Miles and Ed Orgeron had Mickey Mouse championships at LSU. Fiction? <laughs> What's Mickey Mouse about For, Ed Orgeron? No, not, well, I mean, Burrow was just really good, and then the second he left. That whole team was stacked. Yeah. Man, that whole team was loaded. Yeah, that's true. Okay, I, I told you it was Fiction. a stretch. It what stretch. position did Les Miles want Jamar Chase to play, though? I don't know. He just told me he couldn't play receiver. Les Miles also ate grass and, and like, had, like, weird stuff with students. But didn't Jamar Chase say before the NFL season that he didn't trust the, the college football, the NFL balls, because... It looked different. Was he that didn't him? Say that, but then he ended up. Now he's. The so maybe he has a weird thing with footballs. He has a weird thing with balls, probably. No. Um, <laughs> next. Gosh. Up, fact or fiction? <laughs> fact or fiction? The Big Ten is talking about getting rid of divisions and playing eight conference games. Fact. Fact or fiction? The Pac-12 should play eight conference games. Fact. As opposed to the nine. I, currently I, play. Does you no good to play nine games? Yeah, conference a game games. against Chattanooga never hurt anyone. Yeah, Ask the exactly. SEC. In week eleven. The Citadel almost did, though. Yeah. The Citadel almost did. All right. Fact or fiction, year one of the NIL deals in college football was a success. For who? For the players? Objectively, was it a success? Uh, All for the college football, since this is a college football show, fiction. 
it turned it, it it turned college football into something it's not, and that's why USC has done what they've been able to do. So, slightly different perspective. Good. I think from a business side, Dr Pepper they were headlining DJ Uyunglele <laughs> from like the first week of the season, and that didn't really pan out. And so these companies are kind of taking a gamble on who they're putting their NIL chips in. Yeah, agreed. And last one, fact or fiction, Timmy Chang was the right hire at UH. Fact. I think so. They need they needed they needed that. And I think, you know, with June Jones there was a lot of underlying things, but you know, we like fresh. Let's bring in fresh. Let's just win, baby. All right, let's just win, baby. Um yeah, that's about all we got for this this episode. Uh Great episode today, guys. That was loaded. Yeah, that was, that, that was, was, loaded. was a lot We've of content. We've got more left over. More left over for next week. I figured I'd cram it full since we, you know, didn't fill it out last time. But, uh, yeah, I mean, looking forward to next episode. We'll talk about uh, some other things such as uh, college football teams that don't have a football team, but that should. Mm -hmm. um, we'll get our recruiting update. We'll get one for the little guy. And then uh, some other fun stuff in there. I'm going to get some more trivia in next week. So, Thank you. Yeah. If that's all we got. I think that's it. Okay, I'm Tyler Budge. I'm Hayden Weber. And I'm Colt Almodova. And with that, we wave goodbye.